We are in a series called Abide, and we're kind of smack dab right in the middle of it. And what we've been talking about is the fact that uh, a life in Christ is a life connected to him. And when we do that, when we surrender all that we have and we give ourselves fully over to God, there are certain things that manifest themselves in our life. And so uh, the Bible calls these things the fruit of the Spirit. And the reason the Bible calls it fruit is because healthy things bear fruit. So if you have a healthy lemon tree, it produces, you guys are like, way ahead of where first service was. They're like, they couldn't even, only Cece got it right. So yes, lemons. A healthy orange tree produces oranges, blah, blah, blah. We won't belabor the point. But you, you get the idea that when you see a health, something healthy, it's producing what it's supposed to produce. And if you're a healthy follower of Jesus, you are going to manifest or produce certain fruit in your life. And though that fruit... Uh, that's supposed to come up in your life is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, the great thing about the fruit of the Spirit is that it just happens naturally. You don't have to really work, 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 and hope that you can get a little fruit that comes out. It happens naturally. The, the bad news about the fruit of the Spirit is that you can look at that list... And then look at your life and get a pretty good idea of how healthy you are. (laughs) Okay, so if you're missing 80% of those, there's a good chance that that there's something going on between you and your relationship with your Heavenly Father that needs to be fixed. And the way we've been talking about that fixing is through two things that you'd use for a typical tree is pruning and feeding. That there might be something in your life that needs to be pruned. In other words, take, cut back or taken out uh, in order to allow the healthy parts to grow. Or there might be a, a place in your life that needs to be fed. And so those are the things we've been talking about in each one of these. Uh, for, for example, love. The thing that we do to feed love is we serve. And, and so um, we, we, we prune and we, and we feed. And that's what we've been talking about. Now, what, what's interesting is right after this verse, Paul kind of consolidates it all, all down to two ideas. And the, the way this, this wor- works is uh, there was a section of Scripture prior to the fruit of the Spirit that talks about if you just want to go your own way. Like, you're not interested in the fruit of the Spirit. You're interested in just doing what you want to do. You're not going to surrender your life to God. And and so Paul sets us up with that. And and this is what that is. He calls them the acts of the flesh or the deeds of the flesh. Um, That that sounds like super, you know, basically it's just doing whatever you want, okay? The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, which just means uh, medicating yourself. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Orgies just is doing whatever you want with whoever you want. It's not like how we normally think of orgies. But read your Bible. There's lots of fascinating words in there. I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, if you're wanting to experience the fruit of what it's like to follow God, you can't just do whatever you want. This is what he's saying. And then he goes on to the fruit of the Spirit. Now watch what he does. So after the fruit of the Spirit, there's this verse here in Galatians 5.24. 
Those who, are, who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So maybe, maybe the thing you, you would ask and I would ask if I read this, uh, I would say, well, you mean I can't have any passions or desires or goals or dreams or like, like I just have to just go through life? I mean, there are lots of things, lots of goals I have, lots of dreams I have that are, I think are, are pretty good. But notice what he says. Those who belong to Christ, they've crucified the flesh with those things, those fleshly parts. So yes, the part of my dreams and desires that are just self-serving me and don't take into effect anybody else, yeah, that should be crucified. But when, when I can submit those passions and desires and dreams under the lordship of Jesus, then that fruit begins to manifest. And it goes on, and the next verse is the one that we'll be touching on this morning as we talk about patience. Because this is really frustrating. Uh, He says this, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, I don't know if you've ever walked with somebody who walks too slow or who walks too fast. I know, see, the spouses are turning to each other like, See, I told you. It's in the Bible, okay? Um, my wife and I go for walks, and um, she walks like an Olympic walker. I mean, like, I, whatever an Olympic walker looks like, that's where she goes. When I go for a walk, I'm just chill. I'm just like, yeah, so anyway, you know, I'm just like an old man. I just kind of just kind of hobble along, and so off she, off she goes. And in the same way, if I want to get somewhere and I'm with somebody who's going too slow, you're always like, hey, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, right? That's how I feel a lot of times with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I feel like the Holy Spirit is either going too fast And it's like, hey, hold on. Life's a journey. You know, let's not go too fast. Or I'm like, we got lots of stuff to do. Let's go. We got to do this and this. And this person needs to change. We got to do that. And the Holy Spirit's like, hey, hey, why don't we just sit down for a second, right? This is what it means. Basically, actually, the the, the verbiage here in the Greek of keep in step is like marching orders. Like it's even more regimented than that. If he says double time, it's double time. If he says left, right, left, right, that's what it is. That we're so in tune with what the Holy Spirit's doing that we can keep in step with them, not rush ahead and not fall behind, okay? Well, that's, that's what patience is, really. It's just getting in step with the Holy Spirit, that we are all going to get into situations where we either want God to move faster or we want him to move slower. As a matter of fact, it's really fascinating to me. Last week, we talked about peace. And uh, I know you all remember the sermon word for word, but I'm just going to remind you a little bit. Uh, What we talked about is uh, basically Paul in, in Philippians makes this statement, this command. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's Philippians 4, 6. As a matter of fact, it says it right here. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And what we talked about last, last week is that the very act of presenting those requests to God makes us present with God. 
that the, the anxiety and all the things that, that feel the financial stress and the relational stress and all that kind of stuff, when we present those things to God, we are present with God. And the Bible says when that happens, when you are engaged with your Heavenly Father, when you are presenting those things to Him and you are present, that the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now here's the question I have as I read the fruit of the Spirit. If I've presented my request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, is guarding my hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, why would I need patience? (laughs) Why is the very next thing patience? Because shouldn't the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, fix everything? Like, shouldn't I just now walk around like, oh, I feel so much better? Paul knows, we all know, your heavenly Father knows it doesn't work that way. Life is just filled with other people's pace and our pace. Life is filled with God's pace juxtaposed to our pace. And so the Apostle Paul knows, you know, and the Holy Spirit knows we are going to need patience. You're going to run into stuff all week long, that's going to require you to be patient. As a matter of fact, I wrote down the definition of patience from either Webster or Dictionary.com. I don't know if Webster owns Dictionary.com, but I got it from Dictionary.com. It's the most annoying uh, definition you'll ever read in your life. Here's what it says. It says, the quality of being patient, which again, well, duh. I mean, patient is in the word, okay? So, uh, but anyway, it gets better. As the bearing of provocation annoyance, misfortune, or pain without complaint. So in other words, having children. Um, No, I'm kidding. Uh, No, as the bearing of provocation, annoyance, misfortune, or pain without complaint, loss of temper, irritation, or the like. Wow. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever have any of that said patience you speak of, right? Okay, and then look, it goes on. An ability or willingness to suppress restlessness, that sounds like voodoo, or annoyance when confronted with the 405 freeway, right? <laughs> when confronted with delay. Have you ever been confronted with delay? Have you ever in your life shopped at Costco? Where you just go and there's two people and they just start chatting in the middle of the aisle. I am confronted with delay at that point. And what I feel is uh, restlessness and annoyance uh, when that happens. Like, so, so what I did is I took, I took all those things and I took what was in scripture and I took just what I've observed and I came up with a definition for patience that I want to use this morning. This is my definition. It's not like in the Bible per se, but it's just how I envision what the fruit of patience would look like in our lives if we were experiencing it. And I have it as this, experiencing the contentment of Christ's presence in the midst of circumstances that are beyond our control. That's that's what I would define as the fruit of patience, that experiencing the contentment of Christ's presence in the midst of circumstances that are beyond our control. 
Oftentimes, don't you find, like I do, that patience, it's because we're impatient is because we can't control the situation. We can't make it right. We're impatient with our spouse because they're not changing fast enough. They're not, they're not changing to be the way we think they should be. And we've prayed about it. And we've spoken to them at least three or four times. And it's just not happening. Right, because it's out of our control. You cannot change somebody else. I'm on the freeway. And I can honk. And I can gesture with the one-way sign for God. I can do whatever. I can do whatever I want. I can, I can yell. I can turn on their stereo. Whatever it is. But I am totally out of control. And, and here's the thing. And we say this, I I say this about five or six times a year uh, so that we get it into our brains. You have never been, are not now, and never will be in control. Ever. Have a nice day. (laughs) Right? You, 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 You might have the illusion of being in control. You might make enough money to where it feels like you could be in control if you needed to be. And you might mitigate control in certain ways. If you make a lot of money, you might be able to control people by giving them certain things and having them perform a certain way for you. But you, 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 you've never been, are not now, and never will be in control. And patience is one of those realizations that I am not in control. It's experiencing the contentment of Christ's presence in the midst of situations that are out of our control. That's how I define it. So then here's, here's a couple things before we get started in how we do that. One of the things that should just encourage you right away is that your heavenly father, the one who created you, the one who knows you, and furthermore, and probably most importantly, knows exactly what you're going through right now, believes you can handle this situation with patience. He absolutely believes that. And not only does he not only believe that you can handle this situation, whatever it is that you're going through with patience, that he will empower you to do so. Now that is incredibly encouraging to me. Because if patience was this thing I was supposed to just work out, work out, work out, work out, and we'll see, there is a little bit of that. There, is a, there, there needs to be some effort on our part. But, but, but besides that, that we can actually experience the fruit of patience regardless of our circumstances is incredibly encouraging to me. Now, the person we're going to look at this morning that uh, has done this and... Um, uh, that gives a good example of it is the Apostle Paul. And the reason the Apostle Paul gives a really good example of it is that the Apostle Paul was driven. He was a driven man. He planted churches all over the Mediterranean. He was, uh, he was confrontational. Um, so he would go to a church and, hey, that is not right, what you're doing. He was just, he, was just, he had big dreams. He had big goals. He, uh, he was a grinder. He would stay at a certain place for years and just make sure they got it. And then he'd, then he'd move on. He, was a, he would develop leaders. He wrote letters to uh, Timothy, who he's trying to develop into a pastor. This guy had, had lots of stuff going. And furthermore... He was an apostle. So, so when he went places, God had gifted him with this incredible gift of healing and, and signs and miracles. The guy had it going on. I mean, he was an incredible, an extraordinary leader. And just you get the sense that his personality is, is, is just very, very driven. As a matter of fact, before he was a Christian, 
He was out to destroy Christians. He was out to kill them, to put them in prison. So he goes from trying to kill Christians, just driven, 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 to try to create Christians after he met Jesus on this road. And Jesus blinded him, and he had this incredible conversion experience. Like, even his conversion experience was wild, and, and you know, everything about this guy is just big, okay? Imagine you take that guy, and you confine him to a prison chained to a guard. Like, like picture the guy or, or woman you know who's just that way. They're always doing something. They're always creating something. They're like, look, I built an addition on our house, you know, by my, and you're like, hey, look, I built an addition. Like, they just, they know this. They learned French, you know, just, you know, in a two months. And they're just that, that person. They're always working out. They're just great. And then all of a sudden, they're confined. Now, now here, here's, here's the reality of this. Listen to this. Oftentimes, and maybe you'd agree with me or not, that's that spot that you feel right now where you're impatient. Why doesn't it change? A lot of what you're feeling is being feeling confined. You're like, it's, it's not how ha- I can't do anything to make it happen. I can't I, I can't force it. I you just feel trapped maybe. And you want it to be over. And God, for some reason in his sovereignty, has not had it over for you. Well, this is where Paul is. He's strapped to a prison guard in Rome. And further, uh, the, the, the emperor that's in charge at this point is Nero. Now, Nero was not a very nice person to Christians. As a matter of fact, he would light his gardens with Christians. Not Christians holding lanterns, Christians that have been covered in tar and lit on fire. This is one of the things Nero would do. Really nice guy, don't go to his parties, okay? But that, that, that's how he'd, you know, he'd be like, wow, I like what you've done to the place. Yeah, yeah that's Tim over there who's on fire, yeah. Uh, but that, that was Nero. So in all, from, from Paul's perspective, Christianity lost because he, the driving force of Christianity, is chained to a prison guard, and Nero, the guy who wants to completely wipe out Christianity, is lighting Christians on fire. It's over. It's over. And this is where we find Paul when he writes this letter. Now, Paul wrote a bunch of letters when he was in prison. And um, this one is to the church in Philippi. And um, he's basically thanking them for this gift. Now, what's interesting about Paul, just so you know how driven he is, he got a care package from Philippi, from this church. Okay? It takes him three chapters of writing before he finally gets to the thank you. <laughs> okay? So he, he spends the first three chapters just trying to, just trying to keep them going. Just, man, I, I have so much joy when I think about you. You know, you're, you're, you're wonderful. I, I thank my God, he says, in every remembrance of you. Uh, always giving thanks to God, okay? And so he says that. He says, hey, be united. Um, uh, don't, look, don't think of yourselves more highly than you need to. He's just doing all this teaching. Be anxious for nothing. That's where we get that verse uh, and then four verses later, after he goes through the present your requests to God, it's almost like um, uh, many scholars believe Paul was not actually writing these. Some, some of them he did, but that some of them he was, trans, he was uh, dictating to another person who was writing. It's almost like three chapters in, the person who he's dictating says, hey, Paul, remember to thank him for the gift. And he's like, oh, yeah, I made all that up, but it sounds plausible to me. And I thought it was funny because he's chained. And that's what I, I would do because I'm a little ADD. Here we go. 
I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Uh, they had already given Paul a gift when he went to Macedonia. As a matter of fact, later on in this book, Paul tells him, reminds him, hey, you know, when I went to Macedonia, you guys were the only church that, that gave me anything, that, that, that funded that missions trip. And so he says it again here, that, that, you, that you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And so Paul gets this care package, and we don't know what was in the care package other than uh, we know money was in it. And the first thing I thought of, because uh, he, he thanked, thanked them for the money, uh, the first thing I thought of is if you're in prison, why do you need money? Like, what good does that do you? You're in, you're in jail. Like, you buy a shave kit or something, I guess. I mean, I don't know what you get in jail. But, but then as I began to think about it and look through it, he had lots of things to fund. If these letters were going to go out, he had to fund the messenger who, who sent him out. It was a several days' journey. He had people with him. He had somebody writing for him at, at that time. So he had a ministry going, even in prison, that needed to be funded. And so he thanks him for that. Then he says this which just is weird to me. Remember, he's in jail. And he says, indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. I would just like to be clear and say this publicly. If I'm ever found in jail, I just want this to be known, I am in need, okay? So if I ever write that I'm not in need, something's wrong, okay? I'm in need. My first need is to get out of jail. That's my first. So whatever you guys have to do to post bail or whatever, please do that, okay? But Paul, somehow, with all this stuff on his mind, churches he's planted, people he's healed, all this life that he's gone through with ministry, he can somehow, this driven man, sit chained to a guard and go, I'm good. How is that possible? How is it possible that someone like that it's like, it's like confining a lion or something. Just how does that happen? Here's what he says. This is super encouraging. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. The reason this is super encouraging is because he doesn't say, because I'm so spiritual, I'm content. He doesn't say, well, you know, I have special uh, healing powers and I can. Because if he, if he said all that, none of us could relate to that. We don't, we're, we're not, most of us, and maybe some of us do, but I doubt it. Most of us don't think of ourselves as being really high up there on the spiritual level. I mean, if you do, fine. It's weird, but okay. Uh, but, but most of us don't. Mo most of us kind of think, man, I got a long way to go. And, and if Paul just said, I've arrived at this thing, I'm, 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 I'm so spiritual now, I just only think of spiritual things, that, that would be kind of discouraging. But he's just like you and I. He's learned. In other words, where you are now in your patience meter or whatever you want to call it, you, 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 you can learn to have patience in the midst of trial. As a matter of fact, the word patience in, in many other translations just means forbearance, which means, by definition, you're not going through something fun at the time, okay? You don't, like, go, 
man, this massage, I really need to exercise forbearance. You know, you just enjoy the, the massage or the day at Disneyland. You're not like, I really need patience. Maybe you do in the lines. But he just says, I've learned this. And then just in case you think, yeah, but you've had it great, he says, I know what it uh, is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. In other words, when I had plenty, I didn't get addicted to the entitlement of having all sorts of stuff and therefore look to that for my comfort. And when I was in need, I didn't see myself as the victim and be overly discouraged by that. That in both need and plenty, I've, I, I, I've learned how to do this. And then he uses this fascinating Greek term. It's just one word. We've translated it into three um, but when you look at the, where it comes from, it's just awesome. And the church in Philippi would freak out over this. He says, I have learned the secret of being content. Now, if you're like me, you're thinking, ooh, <laughs> it's secret. You know, like, how, how do we learn the secret of being content? He says, I've learned the secret. As a matter of fact, this word is so cool. Uh, it's not used in the Bible at all, this word that where we translate, I have learned, uh, um, the se- learn the secret. Um, it means, literally, I've been initiated into the mysteries. Now, for you and I, you just think, oh, wow, that sounds weird. But he's talking specifically about this cult that was very, very popular in the day. This would, this, um, uh, it's the Eleusian cult. And basically, just real quick, um, it comes, it started like 1500 BC and kind of morphed into this thing that was now Greek. It was very, very Greek, okay? And uh, essentially, what had happened is Persephone, the, the, the goddess, Demeter, okay, the goddess Demeter had a daughter, Persephone, and Hades brought her into the underworld. You guys are looking at me like, he's gone off the deep end, okay? But you, you just have to understand, this is really cool. Just so so uh, Persephone gets drugged into the, to the underworld by Hades, and Demeter, who's the goddess of agriculture, got so depressed, she didn't let anything rain, and all the crops died, right? Because of that, all the gods that were being offered grain sacrifices and all this kind of stuff weren't getting their something, something. So they complain, they start complaining, and Zeus has to get involved, right? And so there's this whole thing. It's a whole cult. It's huge in Greece. And Paul snatches this, and it was all secret. So you join this secret society. And Paul takes that and he snatches it and goes, you think that's awesome? I've been initiated into the mysteries of contentment. I've been, I've joined the cult of contentedness. That's, that's, that's what I've, he just, he just like, just, just kind of grabs that whole thing. And he, and here's the, here's the great thing. This is so cool. Everything about that cult was about manipulating the gods. And so you would, you would have to do a certain thing, and you would, you would um, in this particular cult, you would have to have certain like visions about the afterlife and all that kind of stuff. And that would manipulate the gods into, into moving so that, that the grain and the crops would grow. And, and um, the, 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 you can read about the cult later, but it, it gets complicated. Um, but it's all about, you know, when things grow and when things don't. But, but here's, here's, the, here's the 
unbelievable thing about Paul's cult that he joined, this initiate into the mysteries of contentedness. It's not about manipulating God at all. As a matter of fact, it's not even about the afterlife. It's about accepting the situation you're in right now and saying, not my will, but your will be done. It's the opposite. Paul takes that phraseology of, I've been initiated into the mysteries, and he says, I've got a secret society, <laughs> right? Can you imagine a fraternity? You know, you got all the secrets of the fraternity, like a, a, a fraternity like Alpha Chi Contento, you know, and it just, you join it, and it's like the frat party is like, yeah, let's get crazy. Like, nah, I'm good. You know, everything's cool. No, I, I don't know what it would look like. But the secret society, he says, there's a secret society. There's a mystery of being contented, of being content. And so he says, uh, and, and then again, just so we're clear, in any and every situation. So it's not like... The temptation is, yeah, but if he heard my story, he'd know there's no, ain't no mystery about that. It, no one would be content. He says every and all. And then he goes back again, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living uh, in, in plenty or in want. He says, I can do all this. All of it. No matter what situation I'm in. And Paul went through some crazy situations. He was shipwrecked. He's been beaten with rods. He's been, uh, had... He's been pelted with stones. He got bit by a snake, which, ugh, I mean, that's just terrible. He, as a matter of fact, in one part of the scripture, he lists all the things that he went through. And you're just sitting there going, ah. and at the very end, he says, oh, and not only that, I have all the weight of all the churches on me. Like, I care so deeply for the people who are in these churches that they'd understand the gospel. I have all that, too. And he says, I can do it all. And then he gets to the secret. He says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all this through him. Now, I wish so badly I could show a slide that has the five things you do to have him give you strength. And I wish you could memorize them and you could go home, number one. Open your Bible to 2 Timothy 3.12 and you find that or you get on your phone, 2 Timothy 3.12, and read it. Oh, you read it. Okay, good. Now pray this prayer. And I, I wish I had a prayer and I wish at the end you went, oh, I have patience, you know, I'm content. It doesn't work that way. It's through him. It's through him, through Jesus. So, the thing we do is we invite him into every situation. Now, what I did do is I wrote down just a simple thing that you can just begin with one step as you enter into those things. Because for some of us, it's difficult. We're going to enter into, we're going to start on Monday, and you're going to go into a cubicle. Or if you work in a cubicle, and your boss is going to come in, and you're going to be like, ugh, and you're going to have to deal with that boss or deal with that coworker that clips their nails, and they fly over the cubicle wall like mortar shells onto your desk and you're going to like oh I cannot stand if something's going to happen you're going to drive or you're going to face your singleness and you're going to say oh I, I just want this to change so so badly and here here's what I'd encourage you to do very very simple but just begin to invite God into this you just say I can I can in other words how, how can you, how am I going to get through this situation with my kids who won't change I, I can That's the first part. 
The second part, through him. I can through him. You can on your own. You've already tried that. It doesn't work. You can try to manipulate. You can try to make somebody be somebody they're not. And you can, you can connive and you can do all this kind of stuff. But that doesn't work. You can get through it through him. And so maybe the only thing you do this week is you say, when you face that situation, I can. I can get through this through him. Lord Jesus, invade the situation. Let me experience the fruit of patience. I know you went through worse stuff than I'm going through. I know Paul went through worse stuff than I can do. I know that the secret, I want to be initiated into the mysteries of knowing how do I handle this situation. We want to have kids so bad and we can't. I can do this, but only through you. And we begin to invite him in to that. As Adra comes back up, some of the stuff we're going through is difficult. Um, some of the things that, that you're needing patience in are things that are out of your control. A teacher at school that is driving you crazy, a boss, uh, a relative, what have you, a circumstance, your finances, your health, all this. And the only thing you can muster up is I can through him. And so I'm going to pray for us, and then as Adjua leads us in a, um, a song, um, we have this time to just listen to God. And um, you might want to sing this song with Adjua and stand up and sing it. You might want to stay seated and sing it. You might want to just not sing it at all and, ju- and just sit. But during this time, this is where we, we meet him. And maybe the only thing you can pray is, I can through you. I can through you can through you. Let me pray for us. Lord God, patience is so difficult, especially in our culture where we get everything right away. Um, Unfortunately, most of those things aren't valuable at all. They're just little pleasures or little trinkets or whatever. And the things that we desperately need, the things we desperately need to experience, just an absence of insecurity or value or deep relationships. Those things are the things that seem to take the longest. And yet, as you did with Paul, the, the deepest work you were doing in him was when he was confined. Lord, I would imagine that the deepest work you're going to do in us is when we're confined. And so I pray as we enter into this time that you would meet us here. In Jesus' name, amen.